Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is Advisor as Client, the Raymond James model of supported independence, a conversation with Jody Perry, president of Raymond James Financial Services Independent Contractor Division. This podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com, and on advisorhub.com, as well as Apple Podcasts and other major podcast platforms. And if you're listening to this series on the Apple Podcast app, be sure to leave a star rating and review. It serves as a guide to us, as well as your colleagues in the wealth management industry who may be searching for valuable content to tune into. While the wealth management industry continues to be predominantly male, particularly in the C-suites, there are no doubt several women who've broken through the proverbial glass ceiling and are serving in top leadership roles, paving the way for a new and more diversified future. I'm pleased to welcome one such woman to be my guest on this show, Jody Perry, the president of Raymond James Financial Services Independent Contractor Division. Jody began her career with Raymond James 26 years ago in an entry-level position within customer operations. She later moved to the Independent Advisor Channel to recruit new financial advisors to Raymond James, or RJFS, where over the past 15-plus years, she rose up the ranks from Vice President of Business Development through several levels before landing the role as President of the Independent Contractors Division. Ray J has been on a recruiting tear for the past five years, consistently winning the race for top talent because of their multi-channel association. As of this recording, the independent contractor division accounts for nearly 60% of the firm's advisory force, approximately 4,700 advisors, and its star power comes as no surprise because Raymond James offers independent-minded advisors the opportunity to realize their entrepreneurial dreams with the scaffolding and support that they desire. It's a formula that is well aligned with a changing advisor mindset positioning the firm for even higher levels of growth in the coming years. Jody is incredibly smart, energetic, and talented, and from our conversation, you'll fully understand why Raymond James made her the president of this division. Her experience within several key areas of the firm and her current leadership role gives her the unique ability to share keen insights as well as some inside baseball on Raymond James Financial Services and where the firm is headed. Let's get to it. Jody, I'm so grateful for your time today. Thanks, Mindy. I'm really excited to talk to you as well. So Raymond James has been on a recruiting tear the last number of years, and I want to talk a lot about Raymond James itself and about where the independent contractor division falls in the Raymond James ecosystem. But let's start with you. I know you started your career in wealth management in 1994 with Raymond James. First of all, that's an extraordinary feat in and of itself, because in this day and age, a lot of people wind up moving around. Um, So to be with one firm for all that time is amazing. But tell us a little bit about your background, the early days with the firm and the different roles you held. Well, it's a a great question. And it does feel like 
it has become something that's unusual. But surprisingly, we have so many associates at the home office who have actually been with Raymond James as long as I have and some longer. But for me personally, I started at a very young age with Raymond James. I actually was working for an accounting firm prior to when I came over. So when I joined the firm, I joined in an operational role, very entry level because of my experience level. And then after a couple of years of being on the operational side, I moved into asset management with the firm, which is our fee-based platform. And if you think about back in the mid-90s, it was a really exciting time to be in that area because not everyone had adopted fee-based business. So a lot of advisors were really interested in learning about fee-based and sort of starting to, to transition in that direction. And after that, I went into recruiting, which was my longest tenured position at the firm, and stayed there for nearly a decade. Recruiting advisors, of course, from all other firms around the industry. And then after a decade of that, moved into a regional management role where I oversaw and supported about 800 advisors in a seven-state region in the Southeast. And then, of course, about a year and a half ago, moved into the role of the president of the independent contractor division. So it's been a long time, but it certainly hasn't been a boring ride. No, not boring and an incredible trajectory. <laughs> so to think to go from an operations support role to president of the largest division within Raymond James is extraordinary. So how did your prior experience prepare you for the this new leadership role? Well, if you look at all the roles that I've been in, they've all been advisor-facing roles. I think that's really important when you're in the position that I'm in now to understand how the advisors run their businesses operationally, how they invest, how they grow, what's important to them when they're choosing a firm, when they're looking to make a transition from one firm to another. And of course, on the regional management side, you learn every aspect of how they manage their business. So I think that has really been good preparation for me and the role that I'm in now. Yeah, amazing. And congratulations on all that success. Um, Let's take a step back and talk to me a little bit, if you would, about Raymond James in general as a whole. And then we'll focus on the independent contractor division of which you are president. Sure. Well, we're one of the few firms that actually has multiple affiliation options in the industry. So the division that I'm in is Raymond James Financial Services. And there's actually two divisions. So the independent contractor division, and then our financial institutions division, which is the bank division, if you will, where advisors are affiliated with a bank, but all of their business is run through Raymond James. And then on the other side, we have Raymond James and Associates, which is our employee model for the firm. And then we have the RIA channel as well. So we have multiple ways that advisors can affiliate with us through Raymond James. Yeah. And what is it, if you had to summarize in a word or a few words or a sentence, what is it that you think most differentiates Raymond James as a whole, the company as a whole? Culture is a big part of it. Advisor choice, which has been something that we've been really focused on. It's been a primary tenant of the firm for over 15 years now that advisors get to choose how they want to affiliate with the firm. And then I think support is the other piece. 
Yeah, it's so interesting because the word culture is a word that for a long time kind of didn't mean a lot because everybody used it to describe themselves. Our firm has a great culture. My experience as an objective sort of industry third party is that Raymond James really does live and breathe culture. And so what is it about the culture? Like what part of the culture is it that you think is so different than everybody else? I think there's a lot that really goes into culture. And for us, a lot of it ties into our core values. Our primary core value is client first. And we're different than some of the other firms because we really don't actually want to have contact with the end client. Our client is a financial advisor. So that client first, for us, we treat advisors as our client. And that's different than what you typically see from the other firms. And I think that's one of the biggest differentiators. And it's one of the reasons that advisors are looking at Raymond James because of this culture or this erosion of culture that they're feeling within some of the firms that are out there. I think you're absolutely right. So let's focus a little now on the RJFS, Raymond James Financial Services, or this independent contractor division that you run. Can you share a little bit about that division's value proposition and how it differentiates itself from other familiar names in the space like LPL, Wells Fargo Finet, Commonwealth, Cambridge, and the like? Sure. One of the things to think about with Raymond James and, of course, the multiple platforms that we have is that there's so much that we gain from Raymond James and Associates, our employee model. If you're going to have an employee model, you have to have all the products and all the services and the technology of a wirehouse. And that translates over to the independent contractor division extraordinarily well because that means that we have all the products, all the services, and all the technology of a wirehouse. And that's, that's one of the things that's really hard to come by in the independent space. Um, our technology budget is tremendous, and I think that that's one of the big differentiators right now. Most of the products in the industry are becoming commoditized, right? If we don't have the exact same product, we all have something that's really similar. So two of the ways I think firms can really differentiate themselves is through, number one, technology. You have to spend a lot of money on technology. It's moving very quickly right now. And you have to look at ways that you can make the experience an efficient one, an effective one, an enjoyable one for the financial advisors and for the end client. The other differentiator right now is people. How do you support the financial advisor? So Raymond James as a whole has 8,000 advisors. We just crossed over that mark. And we have over 7,000 people in the home office who are supporting the financial advisors. So you have to make a significant investment in technology and people right now. Yeah. And so who do you see? What what other independent broker-dealer or the RIA space do you see as the greatest competitor for RJFS? It's really all over the board right now. Um, it's an interesting time because it really depends on what the financial advisor is looking for in a firm. So I don't think there's anyone out there that we feel is such a competitor that we can't compete against or that we're not having some success in competing against, but it really just depends on the advisor and, and what they're looking for. If they want to be with the largest firm, that's not going to be us. If they want to be with 
a firm that lets them do things that we're not comfortable with, we're pretty conservative when it comes to some of the products and services out there, then that's probably not going to be us either. So we're looking for the advisor that wants to be independent, and they're looking for some level of support, which is going to vary from advisor to advisor. But we're pretty much all over any of the other competitors from that standpoint. And how about the RIA space as competitor? Because what's shifted in the industry from our perspective in the last number of years is the flip from independence being the independent broker-dealer model with doing a modicum of fee-based business under a RIA corporate umbrella to now advisors, many advisors, looking to move to the RIA space, custody with a institutional custodian and use what we call a friendly broker-dealer for the brokerage business. Yeah, it's an interesting time. And as the changes in pricing have come down in that space, it does get more attractive to a lot of advisors. But I think advisors really need to think about where they want to spend their time and the infrastructure they have in place. So just like independence isn't for everyone, and that's why Raymond James and Associates, our employee model, is still having such success in recruiting, and the RIA space isn't right for everyone. As you think about the regulatory environment and how active it continues to be, I think there's comfort for a lot of financial advisors and someone else interpreting the rules and putting the processes in place for them and and helping them with that side of things and then not having to figure out the technology for themselves and being concerned with cyber issues and other things that they would have to manage through on the RIA side. So, I mean, we've seen some RIAs shut down and come back towards being under a corporate RIA. We've seen some smaller broker-dealers shut down because it's getting more complicated and more expensive to run the business. But that being said, we have an RIA channel, and there are advisors that are looking at both sides. So if we, if an advisor is with us and they want to go to the RIA division and run their own RIA, we fully support that. It just takes – they have to be aware that it takes more infrastructure to run the RIA business than it does a branch. So we just try to make sure that they're well-educated and they're well-connected to resources if that's the decision that they want to make. So it's really nice for us. It's one of the advantages of having multiple channels. We just don't lose too many advisors because we can take them, and I say this jokingly, from cradle to grave in their career. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's right. I think you said it right. I think it's a matter of how independent do you, the advisor, want to be. And that answer will determine whether, in fact, you're better suited under an independent broker-dealer model like a Raymond James or the RIA space or something in between. So I agree with that totally. Let's look at some of the stats around RJFS, Raymond James Financial Services. So you mentioned that Raymond James has a total of 8,000 advisors, and I assume that's under including all channel options, correct? Correct. Okay. So how many advisors under the independent contractor division umbrella? We don't typically release the exact number under each division, but I'll tell you between If you break down the 8,000 financial advisors, we have about 3,300 that are employees, employee advisors, Mm -hmm. and about 4,700 that are independent contractors. So that would be sort of the balance between 
the independent contractor division and the financial institutions division. Got it. So what does the typical advisor under the RJFS umbrella look like? How much in average assets under management? What are the, what does the client base look like, et cetera? And the independent contractor division, the average production now for per financial advisor is 700,000. An average AUA is over 100 million. Got it. And what about the profile of an advisor that you would consider the right fit for the firm? And what I mean is, you know, we talked about sort of the temperament for independence, how independent they want to be. But what about where they come from? Are they coming from wirehouses? Are they coming from other independent broker dealers? Are they coming from the RIA space? So when you think about sort of the year of recruits, where is the typical advisor coming from? There's still more advisors that are coming from the wirehouses. If you think about it, there's less reasons to leave an independent firm unless something is just going extremely poorly. If they're not getting the support, if the service is really off, then advisors will move. Um, And we do have some, as I said, we have some RIAs that are coming back towards a corporate RIA, but primarily there's still more advisors that are coming out of the wirehouses. And when I think about right fit for us, it really varies based on what the advisor needs. From a support standpoint, we can support the advisors in a lot of different ways. So if they want the support of sort of the wirehouse look and feel, we can do that. If they're leaving one of the larger firms because they want more independence and more autonomy, we're okay with that too. So we we want to engage with them. We have practice management. We have a lot of tools and a lot of resources, but it's really up to them to decide what level of involvement we should have with them, if you will. We'll try. We'll offer all the resources, um, and hopefully they'll engage with us on some level that, that fits their practice. Yeah. So when when we think about here the motivation for an advisor to move, we talk a lot about pushes and pulls. The pushes are the things that are frustrating them, that are pushing them away from the firm where they are. The, if they're at a wirehouse, it might be bureaucracy. It might be change in compensation. It might be um, a different view with management, whatever it might be. And the pulls are the what you're running toward, right, what you're excited about. And in your particular instance, those you, you would talk to would be those excited about independence. And one of the things we've noticed of late is that the biggest change in the industry is this change in advisor mindset, where advisors, wirehouse advisors I'm talking about now, have gone from really valuing, if they're thinking about making a move, one, you know, what's the biggest check I can get up front, and two, name brand. You know, I want a a big firm name brand. And what's really changed is what advisors value. And while money, the economics of a move and solid brand and reputation still matter, I certainly have my thoughts around what's driving advisors most. And from my perspective, it's a lot about wanting more freedom, flexibility, and control. So I'm curious from your perspective, what you see as some of the most common reasons, the pushes and pulls driving the wirehouse advisors you're talking to toward independent models. Sure. And you're spot on. Your sense is the same as what we're experiencing on this side. So some of the advisors that are in the wirehouse channels or any captive or employee channel, some of them just want to run their own business. Some of them are looking for more support an erosion of culture. Some of the mergers have left advisors feeling like 
there's been such a shift that they no longer feel there is a culture. It's not a culture like the firm that they were in prior. And we see advisors not want to join a firm because it's the largest one out there because they feel like they won't be cared about the way that they care for their clients. And we look at things a little bit differently. We feel like just like the advisors have to earn their clients' business every single day, we feel like we have to earn their visit, their business as well, because we treat them as a client. So we've seen advisors come over because technology is better with Raymond James. Um, And one of the big, big pushes right now is some of the advisors that are with the large bank-owned firms are coming over because the bank is either cross-selling their clients or because the advisor is actually being pressed to sell bank products to clients. And if they don't, they're going to take a revenue cut. Just doesn't feel right to them. So if you think about, let's say, the last two or three recruits that joined Raymond James Financial Services, so the independent contractor division recently, what would you say was the motivation, the pushes and pulls for them? And thinking about the advisors that have come over recently, and what I just touched on is one of the one that really sticks out in my mind. This was a team that was coming over from one of the bank-owned firms, and they were under pressure to get more clients, right? Now they have these net new client guidelines and rules that they have to they have to stick to if they want to get paid their current level of payout. And this particular team had taken on a client. They didn't feel right about bringing this client on. It wasn't their typical target market, but they felt pressure because they needed a new household. So they brought the client on. It wasn't a good fit. So it was frustrating to them. And it was sort of that final straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, that they just didn't want to be in that, that kind of an environment. Then we have some of the other advisors that are coming over from some of the other employee firms. They either want to grow the business in a way it's hard for them to add and create their own teams. So we have advisors that are coming to Raymond James specifically because they want to be in control of their own overhead, which means joining other advisors into their practice, hiring staff, and things like that. So it's, it's everything that you just touched upon and, and all of those things that I talked about. It's pretty standard what we're hearing these days. Yeah. So as I look at it too, there are two different categories of independent advisors, of want to be independent advisors. One are the ones that are sort of naturally entrepreneurial and have always known that if they were going to move, they want to be independent. And then there's the second category that's probably naturally a little less independent, but winds up independent. I don't want to say by default, but winds up independent because they looked elsewhere and couldn't really find anything that looked better enough to them and said, I need to build it. I need to be able to custom build something with support in order to get it. So if you think about, let's say, the first advisor you just mentioned, the one coming from a bank-owned firm, it sounds like that advisor, and maybe I'm reading it wrong from what you said, was a little less naturally entrepreneurial. In other words, it wasn't so much the move or the desire, the choice to join Raymond James was driven less by being uber entrepreneurial and more about, I'm frustrated where I am, I want to have more freedom and control, and this is where I go. So 
A, am I right in that assumption? And B, that advisor who isn't only looking at independence has, the, in this expanded industry landscape, has a lot more options to consider. So what other options would that advisor have considered and what made them land on Raymond James? Wow, that's a great question. And I think you're right. I think there are more pushes right now at some of these firms then there are necessarily pulls because everyone out there is not an entrepreneur. But some of the things that they'll consider, I mean, as you said, they look at all of the other options that are out there. And when it comes down to it, they will settle on Raymond James for a multitude of reasons. I think a big part of it is support because we can make them be entrepreneurial, if you will, with support. So we really look at it as independent, but not alone. So we have someone who helps from the business structure side, helping them get the benefits in order, helping them review leases. Some of those things that are what I call the one and done are the things that really give pause to a lot of the advisors who otherwise might not think about being independent. So we help advisors through the recruiting process to make sure their business matches up and we can support and they can transfer the business over. We help on the transition side to make sure that we're helping them actually get all of the clients over. But what we were missing for a period of time, and we've had this in place now for five or six years, is someone to really help with those big decisions of setting up the business. So while we can't provide the benefits because they're independent contractors, we can actually be a conduit to make a lot of these decisions much easier and to help them put those things in place. Interesting. Okay. And how about Raymond James in general? The entire industry has changed dramatically in the last five or 10 years. So how has the firm changed since you joined in 1994? The firm as a whole, that is. Wow. I think the industry has changed tremendously since that time. If you think back to 1994, there were still a lot of advisors who were doing individual stocks. Like I said, when I went into the fee-based side of the business, there were a lot of people that had not embraced fee-based and really had no inclination towards that business. And of course, that has changed tremendously. So I think so much of what the advisor did at that time was about investing And now, if you look at what the advisors are responsible for and what's important to the clients, it's changed a lot. And I think a lot of that is driven by technology. Back in the day, clients looked at the advisor as the sole conduit to all of this information. And now, when you think about the fact that in the palm of your hand and your mobile device, the clients have a tremendous amount of information. So we've had to continuously adapt our technology, our products, and our tools, and our support. So we've gone beyond all of that, and I think this becomes even more important as we look into the future. So much more now is about client experience and the advisor experience. So in addition to adapting to meet their evolving needs, we have gone over and above, particularly in some areas, like looking at longevity planning. This is an ancillary service that we put a whole suite of products together because we're learning so much more about the clients as they're aging, and we have an aging population of clients. So things like aging in place becomes really important, and figuring out how to navigate healthcare if if the client gets into a crisis and what happens when they do pass away. So 
helping advisors have the tools and resources to have much deeper conversations has been something that we've been focused on. So you've got to focus on technology. You've got to focus on the ancillary products. And then, of course, we've continued to evolve our succession and acquisition planning and all of our advisor and training coaching programs. So it's been really exciting to see just the innovation and the creativity that we've continued to adapt to as the, as the overall industry evolves and changes. So you hit on something that I wanted to cover. You talk about longevity planning for an aging client population, but let's talk a second about the aging of the advisor population. How is Raymond James responding to advisors' succession needs, the the desire to make sure that they're able to monetize their business at the end of the day and create maximum enterprise value? That's a great question. And one of the things that we've seen just starting out with this is that advisors are actually working longer as people are living longer. And especially in the independent channels, you can work as long as you want to work. So it's not uncommon for us now to have advisors that are working into their 70s. Some of them are bumping up against 80s. So we look at that from a couple of different angles. First of all, you have to have a really strong succession planning group, which we do. We have an entire team that's dedicated to working with advisors who are looking for succession. And some of the advisors don't want to manage that long. They want to have the client relationships. They want to have the interaction. They're still interested in the market, but sometimes they don't want to continue to run the business well into their later years. So we're helping all the time with sort of this matchmaking, quote unquote, internally to help take the burden off of those advisors and to prepare them for that monetization and that retirement down the road. So we don't see as many solo practitioners as we did back in the day. And I think that's another industry shift. We see so many more ensemble teams that are coming over and the diversity is pretty good throughout that team from an age standpoint. So a lot of times these shifts are actually taking place within the branch or within the the team that's already existing. But we've also had success with bringing advisors over from a recruiting standpoint so that they can join one of our existing practices and then retire out that way. So we're looking at it pretty much from all angles. Yeah. And how about the enterprise builder? So the advisor that's all about really maximizing long-term value creation that wants to build not just a practice for a business, but a business. And I'm asking that in the wake of a year where we've seen a frothy M&A market. Yeah, it's for us, it's still a smallish percentage because it takes a lot of capital and it takes a lot of infrastructure if you're going to build out that larger enterprise office. And I would say with the regulatory environment right now, you have to be really careful who you affiliate with because the regulators are now not just looking at an entity, but they're looking at individuals and their supervision should something go wrong. So there's more responsibility, more liability, but they're a good fit for Raymond James. We have several of these offices and we support them fully, but we want them to grow conservatively. And all I mean by that is that we want to make sure that it's not a growth at any price model, right? That they're not just willing to affiliate anyone to get big or really selective about who we bring on board from an advisor standpoint. 
reputationally, it's really important to us. And, and an important note is that we've never done an acquisition on the independent side of the firm. So every single advisor that comes to us is coming through that recruiting process. So while they're evaluating us, we're evaluating them to make sure that there's a good fit. So we're careful from an affiliation standpoint. So we're really supportive of either if someone wants to be a solo prac, they can do it. If they want to be an ensemble team, we're okay with that. We're also great with the enterprise model, but we just want to make sure that the values are, are lining up with the values of the firm. Yeah, makes sense. I want to switch back to your leadership role and the industry at large. So it's hard to ignore that wealth management is a male-dominated industry. That's an understatement. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the lack of women, not only as financial advisors, but as independent business owners and in leadership roles. Well, it's something, obviously, as a woman, I think about a lot. From the financial advisor standpoint, we've actually, we've had our network for women advisors in place now for more than 25 years, yet our statistics are not that much better than the industry. So the industry is about 15% women financial advisors, and we're probably at 16 or, or 17%. And part of the challenge is just statistically, it's really hard to move the needle when 85% of the industry are men. So it's really difficult to get to parity from that aspect because there are there are just so many men in the industry. So the things that we're doing from the entire firm standpoint, so whether it's leadership, whether it's financial advisors, is we're going on to campuses. So we're engaging with young women and diverse candidates on the campuses. We're working hard to get young women into internship programs, either in branches or here at the home office. And then at the home office, specifically from a leadership standpoint, we have programs where young people are coming in and they're doing these rotations throughout three different areas and they're figuring out which direction they want to go. So really introducing women to the thought that it's not just the financial advisor side, or, and, and even if you're a financial advisor, it's so much more about the relationship side than it is just the investment side, which is sometimes something that is a deterrent to some of the women that are considering our industry. And then I think we're doing a good job of bringing women over into the firm in a multitude of capacities, whether it's financial advising or whether it's being in a leadership position as a second career, and then also working with women who have been out of the workforce for a period of time as a lot of times a mother or someone that's raising a family. So we're trying to hit from all angles. But again, I think just statistically, it's going to take a long time to move that needle. But we keep trying. And I think it's important to really think about that from every firm when you think about the fact that there are more women who are controlling more assets in the world and not that women have to work with women to be happy and to have a good financial advisor relationship, but there's so many male dominated teams in our firm who are looking for women to come in because they, they really want women. They know that women do a really good job. So we just, we just have to keep collectively as an industry working towards getting more women and getting them engaged younger and making them understand what a great profession this is.
you know, there's a saying, and I love it, you can't be what you can't see. And kudos to Raymond James for putting a woman, a well-qualified woman, in a more than senior leadership role as a way of sending a message to the world, we're open for business and we welcome and support women. Yeah, it's great. And I'm not the only one. Bella Lair heads up technology for us. Kim Jensen is the COO of the entire private client group. Um, Emma Braden is the head of compliance for the entire firm. So I think we've done a really terrific job in promoting the right people, but also encouraging women to be in the mix and making sure that we have a diversified candidate slate. So we, we really are focused. Yeah. One last question, Jody. How do you spend the bulk of your time? I guess what is it? It's probably a cheesy question, but what does a typical day in your professional life look like? That's a great question, too. It really depends on the day. I still spend as much time as I possibly can in front of and with the advisors. If anywhere there's a group of advisors, you're probably going to find me there because I don't think that I can do a good job and what I'm doing and making decisions on their behalf a lot of times if I'm not engaging with them and getting their feedback. So that's part of it. So if I'm out and about, I'm always with a group of advisors. But if I'm in the office, I'm in meetings quite a bit because as you can imagine right now, there's a lot going on in the regulatory world. So we have to spend a good amount of time talking about what's going on there and how we'll prepare and and react to what's going on. Um, I sit on new products committees. So Those are always interesting to see what some of the new products are that are coming to market. And then recruiting. I still have the heart of a recruiter. I love bringing advisors from other firms to Raymond James and and showing them, especially, you know this better than anyone, that no one moves if they're happy where they are. So actually introducing them to the culture and talking about the things that make us different. Jody, thank you so much for your time. It was a fascinating conversation Raymond James is lucky to have you at the helm, and we look forward to uh, hearing much more from you over time. Thank you so much, Mindy. It was great talking to you, too. Raymond James has always defined itself by its culture and client-first ethos. And what makes the firm unique, as Jody put it, is that advisors are viewed as clients of the firm. This, and an attractive version of supported independence, explains the firm's tremendous success in a crowded and competitive landscape. In our next episode, Brian Hamburger, the founder of not one but two firms, the Hamburger Law Firm and Market Counsel, joins us. In addition to providing expert legal counsel to those in the retail securities industry, plus business, regulatory, and compliance consulting, Brian is a relentless entrepreneur himself, so he clearly understands the mindset of advisors considering independence. He's a super smart and interesting guy and my friend, so I'm excited to have him share his insights on the show. I hope you'll join us. Until then, I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for more valuable content. You'll also find a link to subscribe for regular updates to this series. And if you're not a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. Feel free to email or call me if you have specific questions. I can be reached at 908-879-1002. 
or mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please note that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. Thank you for listening. I also want to thank Advisor Hub for sharing this podcast with their viewers and subscribers. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence. Independence.